this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindu's in focus podcast with me amit barua your host for this episode since the executive presidency came into play in sri lanka no president has ever resigned his office till gotabaya rajapakse was forced to do so by the people on the 13th of july a week later on the 20th of july the acting president and former prime minister ranil wickremasinghe was elected the president he will serve out the remainder of gotabaya's term that is till 2024 given the mood of the people will mr wickremasinghe be able to steer sri lanka out of its current economic mess it's evident that he enjoys the support of the rajapakse clan and their political party he also has years of administrative experience as prime minister can he deliver to discuss these issues i'm joined from colombo by ambika satkunanathan human rights practitioner and chairperson of the neelan tiruchelvam trust welcome to the in focus podcast ambika thank you for having me anand ambika my first question what's the mood like in colombo today after uh, mr vikram singh's election as president well it is uh divided perhaps in the sense of i think the protesters the people who are part of uh, gug as we call it which is the uh, gota gogama the uh, student protesters and also uh, many people uh, in civil society uh, are disappointed that the parliament chose to elect mr anil wickremasinghe as president because uh, he is someone who lost at the general election he came to parliament through the national list which clearly shows that he does not have the people's mandate or trust and when uh, gotabaya rajapaksa appointed him as prime minister in may there was an uproar there was a lot of opposition to him uh, but of course at the same time there were also people saying it is stability he ushers in stability Uh, but that i think we can discuss that a little later and so therefore there was opposition to that and when he announced his candidacy for the presidency once again a lot of opposition uh, but despite that because the former president uh, uh, president's party which is the uh, sri lanka podujana peramuna or slpp uh, they uh, have a large majority they you know uh, one two thirds majority in parliament and i think despite the fact that many of the allies said that they would be functioning independently they still command a large majority and uh, they nominated mr wickremasinghe and mr wickremasinghe has won uh, therefore uh, he is someone who is not viewed by many as legitimate but there are still people who view him as savior as the person who can save us from this economic crisis but the mood here is amongst the protesters i didn't have time to listen uh, to the whole thing but the iusf the inter university students federation that has been playing a frontline role in these protests as once again i i i just saw that they've had a press conference a short while ago and what they've said is they do not view mr Ran, uh, vikramasinghe as legitimate and they want him to resign i think the most important point to make is that there is generally lack of public trust in all the parliamentarians all 225 of them in parliament in democratic processes so therefore the only way to restore 
faith in these systems and processes is for us to go for elections as soon as possible. Would it be correct to say that a vast majority of the 134 MPs that voted for Mr. Vikramasinghe as president in your parliament today, uh, would they be supporters um, of the Rajapaksas? Uh, well, it's interesting because, yes, definitely, they would be. But it's also evident by the number of votes he got, which is 134, that it's quite likely that maybe people from the opposition also voted for him. There was uh, one Tamil MP, uh, former uh, Supreme Court Justice Vigneswaran, who's also quite, you know, very strong Tamil nationalist, who broke away from the, the TNA. Uh, he pledged support to Mr. Vikramasinghe. The Ceylon, uh, the Workers' Congress, Jeevan Pondaman, they pledged support to Vikramasinghe. They did so openly. But what is becoming clear is that there were also people who, after their own parties, pledged support to Dallas Alha Perma and Sajid Premadasa, you know, that coalition, that they are most likely to have voted for uh, Ranil Vikramasinghe. And it's a secret ballot uh, in your parliament. It's a secret ballot, although some of the MPs. Uh, uh, said that they would take photographs of their uh, votes as proof uh, and post them. Uh, but of course, the speaker made uh, several announcements saying that that was not to be done. And I, one MP, when he went up to vote, was seen carrying a phone with him and the uh, Parliament Secretary General immediately spotted that and they confiscated the phone. So yes, it is a secret ballot. Ambika, tell us... Uh... You know, Sri Lanka is also under an emergency, one of the many multiple emergencies that have been imposed in the past few months. So, so what are these emergency regulations like? Is, it, is there a possibility that uh, Mr. Vikramasinghe's government will clamp down on the protests that we've been seeing for the last few months? Yes, uh, as you rightly pointed out, since independence, Sri Lanka has been under different states of emergency under successive governments. And what we have seen is a severe um, uh, violation of human rights during these um, states of emergency, because as you know, India well knows uh, the kind of restrictions on rights that can be imposed during states of emergency, as well as the excessive powers that are given to the police and the armed forces. Uh, so these emergency regulations, the state of emergency is concerning. And on the 18th, uh, late night, I think, they issued the emergency regulations. And on at first glance, I need to study them properly, um, uh, thoroughly. But what we can see is that there are serious implications for freedom of speech issues. Uh, I think there was a provision which also said, for instance, that uh, the ease with which curfew can be imposed, because right now only the president can impose the curfew under the public security ordinance, uh, section 16. But according to the um, the emergency regulations, I think it says uh, that the, the DIG or the IGP can pose uh, curfew. But what you can also see is that there are provisions on things like you know, uh, fake news, fake speech, etc., which, as you well know, also based on the Indian experience, how that can be uh, easily abused to crack down on dissent. And also uh, problems related to arrest, the armed forces arresting, and they say they can keep the person in custody, how long they can keep the person in custody, 24 hours, they can interrogate the person. So many, and we have, and if someone says, well, you know, this doesn't on the face of it look 
um, uh, serious. Well, in on the face of it itself, it looks serious and violates many human rights, international human rights standards. But we must also look at this uh, in the history of Sri Lanka, where we have seen that uh, uh, the armed forces and the police are used to functioning with impunity and used to violating human rights and not being held accountable. So in this context, these broad emergency regulations, like for instance, it says um, no person shall by word or mouth or any other means, including digital means or social media, communicate or spread any rumor or false statement or any information or image or message, which is likely to cause public harm, public disorder or racial violence, or which is likely to incite the committing of an offense. Now you can see how broad that is. What are the definitions of this? They have included social media and social media has been one of the primary drivers of the citizens' protests in the past several months. So when you have these very broad uh, uh, emergency regulations that give excessive powers to the police and the military, it is setting up a situation where freedom of association, expression, etc. can be curtailed very easily. So it is cause for great concern. Uh, Ambika, you know, uh, you know, as you mentioned that some people, uh, you know, point to the fact uh, that Mr. Vikramasinghe is a very experienced politician. He's been prime minister several times and uh, he perhaps has the wherewithal to negotiate a bailout from the IMF and bring some kind of, uh, you know, economic stability back to Sri Lanka. D do you think he has the goods to do that? Well, I mean, it's, it's like this. Uh, lots of people say that. Uh, but also the fact is when he was prime minister, there are also many failures we can talk about. But my issue is with the fact that they focus on individuals. And that is the problem here, saying he can save us, X can save us, Y can save us. And when you look to individuals as saviors, what happens is that they tend to fail. What you need to focus on are the systems, the processes, and those are dysfunctional in Sri Lanka. So, for instance, even if someone else were elected, if they were actually because in terms of economics also, there are certain things that basic things that we have to do to get out of this. Experts have been expounding on this nonstop, uh, writing, sharing advice, etc. So if if, if a, a new president, not Mr. Vikramasinghe, someone else, were to consult with experts, were to follow the basics, were to take advice, then I think it would be possible to look at him as a savior when he also has a track record of so much failure. I think that is part of our mistake of building up these individuals as saviors and not paying attention to the systems, to the process, to our dysfunctional socio-political culture. So my point is, yes, I mean, we can, we can all say we hope, but the fact is he doesn't have public trust. He's a person who has manipulated the system to become president. He has shown contempt for the public will. And he is a proxy of the Rajapaksas. He will protect the Rajapaksas. So in effect, we're just having another Rajapaksa government. Hence, what we need, as I said before, are elections. We need elections so that we can elect a set of parliamentarians who are not within the control of the Rajapaksas, because what is still very clear is they have control of parliament. So do you think that, uh, uh, you know, of course, uh, you know, events have their own way of, uh, you know, dictating outcomes. 
but is it your sense that um, you know as the days pass for mr vikramasinghe we might actually see a growing demand a growing clamor for elections to take place in your country but i think people have already been there that's what many have been saying from the very beginning since the protests began and now we also see uh, it um, increasingly being said by opposition politicians as well and the reason i think we do need to go for election is that the parliament itself i mean when you speak to even average person they might not ask for let's say the abolition of the executive presidency because they have not actually thought about it right or they might not ask for these uh, um, they might not express what they want in legal or constitutional terms but one thing that comes through is the loss of faith where they say oh if they're all crooks no one cares about us um even if you go to a, a queue and speak to them right then i'm going to talk about the solution to the ethnic conflict but conflict but they will say they are all corrupt they don't care about us all of them robbed us we do have no faith in them so in that sense they've lost faith in parliament and that is not a good thing they've also lost uh, faith in democratic and parliamentary processes once again that's quite dangerous it's not a good thing so to restore public faith in these processes i think it's important to go for election but also to increase voter education increase public awareness because what we don't want is for people to elect uh the the same corrupt self-serving venal politicians back into power we want them to ask the right questions before they cast their vote at the next election you referred earlier ambika to the executive presidency and we know in sri lanka's long history this has long been a bone of contention and it has perhaps been at uh, the root of uh, some of uh, one of the reasons for uh, the continuing ethnic conflict that we have seen in sri lanka you know having seen this all for a long time so have i seen it is it your sense that we might actually see ever a single source of power or a single seat of power and we see the abolition of the executive presidency uh, <laughs> good question that's a question that we ask ourselves every day uh, because when you look at all the pres- uh, the candidates even you know the candidates um, that we had today no one seems to be particularly committed to abolishing the executive presidency because even sajid premadas uh, the 21st amendment that they put forward of course curtailed the powers of the president but it was in a way they use the phrase reforming it right they're not abolishing it completely and we've had a history i'm sure you well know of the presidents coming to power promising abolition and as soon as they're elected well there goes you know they forget about their promise and i think it is the the allure of so much power uh and they know that that's a bone of contention they know that's a demand which is why they use that as a platform uh in their election campaign but once again once they are elected i think the allure of their office it just does not allow it but regardless of that fact i think what this crisis has shown us is that the uh, the executive presidency does have to go because the economic crisis is brought on by political dysfunctionality and it is the fact that we had a president with very few checks or balances who could make arbitrary overnight ill informed decisions whether it was uh, 
uh, organic uh, farming, agriculture, or whether it was related to the tax cuts, which he did uh, contrary to the advice of uh, so many experts. Uh, that is part of the problem, even if we take human rights violations. The fact that the president can declare states of emergency with very few checks and balances. Uh, and uh, the president often has been the minister of defense. And so many violations that they have uh, sanctioned as minister of defense under the Prevention of Terrorism Act, for instance. So the presidency has been the source of many of our problems. And this is what the citizens of Sri Lanka need to understand. The economic crisis came about due to political dysfunctionalities, and one of the root causes of it is the executive presidency. One thing that puzzles me is that, uh, you know, Mr. Vikram Singh is a seasoned politician, and he, he would have probably seen that, uh, you know, the people really forced uh, Mr. Gotabaya Rajapaksa to resign. So when you take power in such a situation... Uh, would you not, uh, you know, function uh, with a sense that, uh, you know, the people are just a short distance away at golf face? I mean, is that something you think he will keep in mind when taking decisions? Well, I think, you know, being a seasoned politician does not necessarily mean that you are attuned to public opinion. Uh, I think what Mr. Vikramasinghe has been shrewd and he's known how to work the political system. Uh, he uh, has no. He knows how to manipulate it, but his decisions have shown that he is not at all attuned to public opinion. But to the contrary, not only is he disconnected, but he seems to have contempt for the public and public opinion. You can you can see the disdain in various remarks that he has made even over the years. Even after he was made prime minister, I think he made this very flippant remark, oh, let tourists come. They can also come and join the protest. That can be a fun experience for them, uh, which was so flippant and um, uh, ignored the the suffering that people here, even the tourism industry, if you take that, the, the, uh, the beating the tourism industry has taken, the number of jobs, uh, job losses, etc. And to show such uh, lack of empathy is what I would say. Lack of empathy, arrogance, contempt for the public and public opinion. And particularly now, after becoming president, without even being able to secure his seat in parliament through elections, I think whatever um, his opinions previously were, they were probably all confirmed now, which means he is not going to give a jot about public opinion. And also he's declared a state of emergency. He's got these very regressive, uh, restrictive uh, emergency regulations. So he can use that uh, and misguidingly. I think he thinks that he can use force and perhaps you know, use force to stay in power and to bring stability. But as I just you know, tweeted today, I think stability comes through establishing a strong social contract between the citizen and the state. Mr. Ranul Vikram Singh has shown that you know, he is not able, he's not capable of doing that. And you can't do that through force and violence. Uh, one last question that I'd like to uh, leave uh, for you or with you is that, uh, you know, we've seen these, uh, you know, huge protests uh, in Sri Lanka, especially in Colombo. What does this mean for, uh, you know, ethnic relations in Sri Lanka in the long term? 
Uh, well, a few things. One of is you. Uh, there have been protests, and I think the the reason that Mr. Gotabaya Rajapaksa left was also the protests were in the south. It was by the people who voted for him, and it was clearly due to the economic crisis. We must not delude ourselves into thinking it was anything else. At the same time, there have been ongoing protests for several years in the north and the east by families of the disappeared who have been protesting for more than 2,000 days, as well as people who have been protesting the acquisition and occupation of land, private land, by uh, the military, takeover of land by the archaeological department, destructions of temples, etc. But those protests have really not uh, received visibility either in the local media or the international media and the government itself and the Rajapaksas also did not pay attention to it because it's like oh these Tamils protesting in the north and the east we can put them down very easily also because the north and the east are heavily militarized these protesters were subject to surveillance intimidation harassment etc so the protests that happened were largely in the south you did not see uh, people in the north and the east joining spontaneously or in large numbers with the current uh, spate of protests. And also many felt that the protests in the south did not take on the issues that were important to, uh, you know, uh, Tamils and Muslims and particularly Tamils. Uh, and therefore, uh, they did not engage in, in, in solidarity protests in the north and the east. Uh, at this, so that shows that there is that that disconnect still between the north and east and the south and between the different communities. So a huge bridge, a huge gap that really still needs to be bridged. And at the same time, the the TNPF, uh, one of the Tamil political parties, they tweeted yesterday saying that they had met with all the presidential candidates and asked them for their positions on the solution to the ethnic conflict. And the, the responses went from, you know, we haven't really thought about it and figured it out to the main opposition uh, uh, leader, Sajid Premadas, saying that he was going to propose the panchayat system, which is quite appalling and ridiculous. So that is also, to me, it's scary because it's, it's a frightening uh, reality then for Tamils in terms of the political solution, in terms of accountability truth and justice, it appears that in the South, the, at least the current political leadership of, of a, or, you know, any of these parties, really not even willing to acknowledge that there is a problem that needs uh, a solution, which is very frightening. We leave it here uh, for this episode of the Hindus in Focus podcast. Thank you very much, Ambika Satkunanathan. Human Rights Practitioner and Chairperson of the Neelan Tiruchelvam Trust for talking to me. Thank you very much. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.